The RC Podcast is brought to you by Cook Lens, makers of the 5i, S4 and Pancros, all handcrafted to give you the famous Cook look, but with the latest innovations and technology such as lens eye data. For more information, go to cookoptics.com. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking and cutting edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's RC Show. I'm Mike Seymour, joined by my good friend Jason Wingrove for show number 93. How are you, Jace? I'm well. Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, so uh, everyone's sort of back in the country again, which is always a good thing. I've been yeah. uh, in Europe for two weeks. Um, Jason, you've been filming all over the place, in fact. Yeah, uh, interstate, yeah, for the moment. I'm about to head off into uh, overseas again, but uh, yeah. Hey, where are you a going momentary overseas? meeting back in, back in town, which is nice. Where are you going overseas? Uh, London for a few days, and... Uh, can I say, having just been in London, that the sales are on in London? Well, actually, they just finished, I think. You're just going to miss out. But I loved going to London. Last time I went, which I guess about a month ago, it was beautiful. It was oh, utterly it was fantastic. The weather was gorgeous. It was just amazing. It's amazing how how much that city changes when everyone's, you know, when it's sunny and everyone sort of gets really happy. Everyone's in a good mood. Yeah, everyone's in a good mood. Um, so this week on the show, we've got a bunch of stuff we're going to... Um, have some well, Jace. Do you want to tell us about the interviews coming up in the red room later? Uh, yes, we've got um, Dan Moran, who, who is, uh, I guess, he's the uh, product specialist for uh, Resolve Blackmagic Resolve, and so he's going to take us through the new version eight and basically the differences between the packages, and yeah, and I guess a bit of a, a bit of an overview on him and um, what you need to do to be able to build a, a good Resolve package. Yeah, so 8 is just coming out of beta, uh, if it isn't already just out It of is, yeah, version 8 is, is released. It is now released? Okay, yes, yeah. indeed. I've had it uh, on beta for a while. Obviously, uh, it supports um, Red as well as a bunch of other formats and, uh, and HDRX and stuff. So we saw it, I guess, a lot at NAB. So that's, um, that's a good interview coming up later in the show. Yeah. Um, also, we've got some news and some adjustments and some never-ending uh, sagas. Uh, <laughs> So let's start by going to the news desk. And now, the RC News. Okay, well, since uh, the uh, the clusterfuck that was the FCPX uh, release, uh, the world has magically still seems to keep revolving, uh, and life goes on. Uh, Avid and uh, Adobe are helping everybody out of this hole, those that want to be helped out of the hole, uh, by uh, offering... Lots of um, crossover uh, packages, I guess. Avid are offering uh, MC 5.5 for, I say just, but for just $995. Uh, that goes until September 30 uh, this year. It's normally, believe it or not, two and, uh, two and a bit grand. And um, I think all you need is just a valid FCP uh, serial number, not an FCP X number but i think if you've got a valued final cut pro serial number you can get that um get that discount same with adobe who are offering 50 percent off premiere pro now you can obviously get premiere pro a few different ways i got it with the i think it's master collection thing uh but you can get it obviously premiere by itself the premiere by itself i think is uh, 7.99 this is all u.s prices and that comes down to 3.99 or you can get it in the production premium pack, which yeah, that's what is, I got. I got the production premium. Yeah, which is comes uh, from seventeen hundred dollars comes down to eight hundred and fifty. So uh, I think with both of those, you just need to go online, enter your serial number, and then you get a um, you get a redeem code, or, or you get the discount code to download it for the uh, cheaper price. So uh, 
obviously all worth doing. Um, uh, it's worth exploring. I've got sort of demos of I own Premiere, and I've got like demo of, of Avid happening, and I'm exploring both both camps at the moment. Not quite sure which way I'm going, but definitely exploring while obviously using Final Cut Pro Seven. Uh, Mike, you guys obviously have maybe thought about plans here for you guys for moving. Well, on. we're we're not moving off seven right now, so sure. that's what we're doing. Um, I have a new laptop. I must admit. Um, and on that new laptop, which I had to rebuild from scratch, I might say, Jace, because my other one was so buggered that I could actually delete from the trash anymore. And, we, and before you ask, yes, I know you can go into Linux uh, or the, you know, the, and but even then, I would set stuff up and I'd hate having permission problems and I'd have to trash every trash that the system had and then it would still build new yeah, ones. Why with was bad it buggered, Mike? It had been a little hacked over time, and I hadn't done any clean installs in ages. I got this new one, so I'm rebuilding it from the ground up. I mean, completely as if I never had a Mac before almost. Um, so I thought, well, I might put FX, FCPX on that, mm. and then I'll just see what it's like. Um, because I think it's probably worth exploring, but we're not going to change our production units over, so that'll be... Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's definitely worth exploring. It obviously is... By the way, this new bloody Mac running Lion, running with a SSD, a massive SSD drive in it, is so wickedly good. Now, that's the factory SSD you got there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Eight gig of RAM, just... I tell you, it's it's an i7. John Montgomery said this, and he's absolutely right. You can't believe how fast this is. It's like fast as my tower. But it's faster starting up, but you're noticing it in just everything oh, yeah. you do. It is so astonishingly fast. Look, I'll just restart it now. There, see? Wasn't that good? That is amazing. That was so fast. So, um, Such a child. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Well, no, I didn't get... I, yeah, I've got a new one here, but I didn't get the SSD. But uh, I've noticed it's Bad pretty decision. good. I haven't run an awful lot of stuff on it yet, but uh, time will tell. It's definitely, obviously, both meant to be Road Warrior kind of... Uh, machines um, so it, it I'm is, trying to yeah. get I've got the sort of higher end graphics card I think you have the option to be able to have the uh, higher end graphics card that's in the 17 inch and that comes with a higher resolution screen and theoretically the graphics card in the 17 runs resolve so I'm trying to shoehorn resolve into running on this 15 inch with the higher graphics card if that makes sense but we'll just well anyway more about resolve later and what you can and can't do <laughs> um so yeah look avid and uh, avid and adobe doing uh, some good discounts for final Cut pro x uh also onto that fact uh from last time uh, apple have sort of responded to uh, a lot of the questions that we ran through together last episode uh, all the things like you know oh i can't import projects you know why can't i uh, you know what about my media management and uh, export and stuff like that and they've sort of done a bit of a list there's a link in the show notes to that i'm not really going to say any more because i think a lot of the answers that they're giving are just complete bullshit um <laughs> honestly it's just such a snow job but anyway look people who want this app can uh, they're welcome to it uh <laughs> if you can survive with it terrific okay. but you know if you're editing in a cave that's fantastic good luck enjoy um, if you actually collaborate with anybody else and want to actually share um, the projects and not, you know, send it off to editors or online or whatever, then obviously, you know, you, you know, you know where you stand. Um, anyway, you can see their answers uh, online. Uh, again, links in the show notes. It's apple apple.com slash Final Cut Pro slash FAQ. And you can see their answers in all their glory. Slash spin. <laughs> slash bullshit. Um, okay, so... <laughs> 
So moving on right along, did you want to discuss uh, the One Day on Earth? Just? Yes. Uh, look, One Day on Earth, who I know I was involved in, or at least I shot um, at least my, my contribution for it last year on the 10th of the 10th of the 10th, those who don't know about this project. But basically, I think they had, I can't even remember how many contributors they had, but basically, you know, thousands of individuals uh, uh, all sort of basically captured their part of of the world um, in their own particular way on the tenth of the tenth two thousand and ten, and submitted their footage to one day on the one day on Earth project. So now basically uh, that this project is progressing and it's now via Kickstarter they are uh, they are looking for um, uh, some funding to be pledged. So again, links in the show notes. But uh, on Kickstarter, I guess if you search for One Day on Earth, you'll you'll find their site. Obviously, they're trying to uh, get some money up to complete the thing, and you can buy DVDs of the project. Obviously, it's not finished yet, but uh, yeah, there's a trailer there, and you can sort of see what the project's all about. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, another a project which I've sort of been sort of following along, which which although is still looking for is still looking for. Um, uh, funding, although they've basically reached their goal, I think, Mike, haven't they? Indie game the movie. Yeah, well, they wanted to get about thirty-five thousand, and I think they've got about double that uh, pledged. Yeah, uh, from about thirteen hundred people. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So it's a, it's just a really cool sort of um, a little mini doco, a doco on on indie sort of gaming and the sort of um, gaming culture. Uh, it's just really nicely done, beautifully shot. Uh, again, there's probably a trailer there on uh, on the um, Kickstarter website. Again, so, links so this is the, the same show. crowd or the same? Because Kickstarter is that just the website that's hosting the thing, or is that the uh, uh, Kickstarter is there the website for which you can. Um, um, submit your project to get funding. It's quite interesting. I mean, even if you've got a design idea, you know, so, even if you've got a, an invention or a product that you think is a great idea. So, one day on Earth and and indie game the movie are, are both on Kickstarter, but they're independent productions. Yes, they're both. It's just okay. basically that's just a platform for them to uh, uh, get funding. Okay, but yeah, but no, it's uh, both both little projects worth looking at and and potentially worth worth chucking some money at. Okay, uh, what else we got? Okay, well, well a bit obviously, of announcements in the old Red universe. Yeah, obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of big stuff happening in the Red uh, Red World. Um, major uh, little sort of update, I guess, from Jim. Called significant updates. So, uh, I guess the next, the first part of the update is that there's sort of a, an update on the timing for uh, Epic X. Now, the fact that they are obviously now starting to get... Japan is starting to get back more on its feet. The production is uh, the production, production of the uh, products that were missing from their... Um, uh, I guess the missing components and the missing sort of products that, that Epic was, was needing to finish its um, the production run of the Xs is now starting to get back on its feet and the, the factories that were supplying that are now starting to get back to pre-tsunami pre, uh, levels. So um, the obviously you've spoken I, to I, Ted about this. I love Red. I do. I, I do think, though, that just... I mean, I do. I really like the guys. I do think it's slightly becoming... Um, Orwellian the way that the delays in X are all attributed to the tragedy in Japan so I just want to say that while I appreciate they contributed X was really running late before there was a tsunami Yeah. so just saying that it's after we've got over the tsunami now it's all fine before that it was it was already delayed right yeah now 
So what? I it guess. was GFC before then, and then the companies that were going to be yeah, there was doing the some company doing the production, and there were suicides in China, and that closed the factory, and and so I'm just saying, like, I do think that the X's were delayed because of Japan, and I know they were, but I'm just saying, like, it wasn't all down to what happened no. in Japan, because uh, quite frankly, the X's should have shipped, you know, a, two years ago. Yeah, that's right, and then then the. You know, tsunami would have been a delay mid-production run versus delaying the final. It's it's you know it's completely bad timing that you know they're probably starting to you know they would have without a fair few help. It's just one hold up after another, and of course you know this is this is this is life in trying to make anything this complicated. Yeah, but um, yeah. It, so yeah, as you say, if you want to buy one, tsunami. you can buy them. There's no yeah. mates rates thing anymore. If you just want to be an epic yeah. owner, just buy an M, full stop. Yeah, you can buy, and we've definitely seen people that who have put their money down, and people we've seen tweeting say, here you go, look, I put my money down, and literally they have their camera in like 48 hours. So as of now, theoretically, I can just buy an M, though there isn't an unlimited supply of M's, we also know that. Now, obviously, okay, they're going to want to sell as many M's as they can, they've got production parts for M, right? Surely X's aren't being held up for... To no, get, they're not. There's, a, the there's a finite out. number of M's. Yeah, but um, obviously as soon as X's are out, no one's going to want to buy an M. Um, probably. Well, actually, well, let's, we'll go through this a little bit because it's interesting when you look at the differences in the package. There's actually... Um, there's not a lot of difference between M and X, actually, in terms of uh, once you opt up all the bits and pieces on an X to get to an M. Because yeah, I it know is I'm actually. Doing, I've no, I've discussed that with. Well, I discussed that with Ted. Actually, you think that there's a vast difference because there's sticker shock difference, but yes. in fact, the because um, the brain price is the difference between. Uh, well, the brain used to be listed at 28, and now the brain for the X is listed at 35. Yeah, but it used to be that you go, oh, the the brain for the M is like. 39,500 and the brain for the X is 28,000 so that's a huge difference like 10 grand it is getting more complicated <laughs> but it's no longer like that because the M brain is now still 39,500 as it were but the X brain is now 35,000 now of course that's pretty much actually a bit of a rubber number anyway because no one's going to pay that straight out brain price yeah. until you've got through the X stage 2s yeah, I don't know how long and then stage, stage three, three and, then stage and, three and a half, the newly stage evolved stage three point five. Do we really think we're going to get to stage four before they redo the bloody system? Before it, we we have you really the new, think we're going to get to stage the new four red camera? <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be something that, that it would be. It's a long run that we would really run that long without another change. Yeah, I mean it would be unprecedented for red. I mean it's red's got product Tourette's. Like there's no yeah. way that they're going to. Just but even if they announce something new, whatever, you know, Epic 2, Ooh, whatever. Hang on, wait a second. Is that a uh, dragon tattoo I see oh, on your yeah. arm? Yeah, I mean, I already announced it. Oh, you could see it under my shirt. I mean, it's like <laughs> not as if they haven't already, you know, we've seen that at NAB, right? The whole monstro. So, I mean, yeah. I don't mind. This I'm true. cool. But if you're counting on stage four, mm. you know, you're counting on the leprechauns <laughs> because... Because I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just not going to ever happen the way that it's said to happen yeah, now. No, absolutely. But to that's, the that's so far in the in, in the future, stage three and a half, stage four, epic and S. Not gonna do all those, of these things yeah. are frustratingly far in, in the future that, you know. But all that really matters is that it, it is the short term, I think. Quite frankly, getting your knickers in a knot over anything 
a year out from now is so... Yeah. No. Like when they say subject to change, it's not like subject to... And they said subject to change, you can count on it. Initially, it was like a bit of a joke, right? Like, yeah, you know. But you really can count on now red now. to have product Tourette's and change it. <laughs> no, so, that's right. fuck it, wave and just it's more than a time. saying, it's a way of life. So, exactly. So, okay. So, now, so what does that actually mean? It means that you should pay attention to what's going on with M and X's. And you should pay attention to what's happening with Scarlet's much beyond that. You know, I mean, worrying about the, whatever it was, the 645, what's the huge sensor, 975? Yeah, talk about it. The size of 617. A, the size of my foot sensor. Yep. It's just, it's a complete waste of time. So I may as well talk about landing on Mars. Yeah. Okay, so, 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 so which brings the question to, Jason, hypothetically, if you were sitting there right now and you didn't have an Epic and you had an option to get an X... Or an M, because this is where this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Yeah. A lot of people listening to this podcast right now, that's the, the number one question. Do I wait for an X or do I go with an M? And that's what I, the only point I think that's really worth discussing today. So let's let's break that down. The the fact of the matter is if I'm gonna wait for an X, I'm waiting till when? Well we think somewhere between August and Christmas, right? Yeah. Late August. For, so for the first few to trickle so through, maybe late, late August. even appears, then you can forget August. But basically, it's but, September. But what you can what you you can count on is the fact that any date is uh, the only thing you can count on is what's here and now. The date that you that you know you can get an M tomorrow. You know that. Yeah, because okay? they, they actually said you we don't know you can get post tsunami and after the dust had settled, they were definitely going to ship X's before an AB. Yeah. Just at least a few. That's right. Then it became, well, we'll ship at least a couple. And as, to my knowledge, nothing ever shipped, which is fine. But I'm just saying, like, there's, there's no chance you're getting an X before September. Uh, now, in September is IBC, I think. So that, that mm-hmm. you know, holds out some possibility you could get them around that time. Yeah. Okay, so let's say maybe September. The only thing definite is an M. Now. Is an M, yeah. Which, I mean, obviously, thing. we got an M if, ages ago, and we're really glad we did. Yeah. Okay, but so how now, however, there's a there's a fundamental difference, I guess. Obviously, apart from the fact that one exists and one doesn't, is that X is still M is still considered to be in you know in probably in red zone words that this is um, a pre-production camera and there's still going to be there's still feature bumps needed. There's still you know there's still obviously issues. You can't play back from camera. There's lots of things that obviously theoretically by the time they nut all this stuff out, that's also definitely has to be guiding. X's release. They're not going to... No, I disagree. I think that the... You think they're going to... No, X's I, are still going to need... Complete, I think the cameras are interchangeable. I don't think there's any... I think you, you, you're completely wrong if you think that the software development is in any way tied to M or X. So, I don't think it's going to matter whether I've got an X or an M. They're going to still release versions of software. As soon as they can solve a bunch of problems, they'll release it. Mm. And that software will work in an X or in an M. I think they're identical. The stuff that's different is how they're built, not any functionality. It's not like any boards are different. I'd, I'd, I'd really be surprised if they came out with software for X and software for M. I think they'd just be the software, and the software is the software. So I think what will happen is that they'll get out a version that will work with proxies. That'll release uh, a number of other floodgates, like playback from camera and stuff. Yep. They'll be trickling out more versions of formats as they go along. Yep. Um, I think that uh, the hardware, there are revs to the hardware, but even on the hardware, like when the side handles first came out, mm. they've been revved 
already. Yep. Uh, yep. Majorly. Yep. And uh, the same as there's been a major rev already on the red moats. Uh, red moats. So yep. anything like that is. Mm-hmm. So I think what'll happen is, but 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 notwithstanding that, like I just think that they're going to be in parallel. So I don't think it means that. One is slowed down by the other. I think that the software team are the guys that write the software and the hardware teams are the guys that do the hardware. And yep. as soon as they can make hardware, they'll sell it. Mm. Okay, so so what is the difference? Like, what, Get back to my thing, my central tenet of this podcast, which is do you wait for an X or go with an M? And so what is the... What is the so we discussed the date, right? Yep. It's bird in the hand versus... Well, I guess it's that classic thing one of, in the know, red of waiting for anything. Do you wait? Do you buy a five D Mark II or do you wait for five D Mark III? You know, there's a lot of there's. Look at how much water under the bridge from announcement of Epic to where we are now with the other with competitors. Look at what Ari's done. Ari's developed and launched entire cameras. You know, Sony's launched two new, exciting, interesting. Obviously, you know they don't shoot raw and they're not five K and all that stuff. But people are getting by with all these other solutions. Okay, but if it was the if solu- exactly the same price, yeah, that would be true. Sure. I mean, I would totally agree. But we would do our own philosophy, which is if you have a way of making money exactly. from an Epic M now, yep. buy an Epic M. If you can make it pay for itself. If you can't make it pay for itself, then wait. Yeah. Okay, but let's say that they. But that assumes also that they're the same price. Now, yeah. is it worth? Is there a discount? Is there a a cost benefit from waiting? Because obviously, if if you could buy an M now or an X for half price, yeah, that's not the simple. That changes the equation. I guess you get the ability to customize your package a little bit. You might not want a side handle. You might want different oh, SSD. Okay. But hang on, who the heck wouldn't want a side handle? You've used the camera. Yeah, absolutely. There's no so one that wants a side handle. Okay. Yeah, but you might not want any. You might not want a, a bomb. You might not want to pay for a bomb. You might okay. just want uh, the LCD. You might want two fifty six SSDs instead of one twenty eight. Well, you can might. We, can want... you just give me the quick summary then, or give us the quick summary of that difference between M and X? Yep. Okay. All right. So the new X package is obviously. Uh, the other thing is that there was going to be the option, I think, of the two mounts on X. There's going to be the aluminium mount and the titanium mount. I think there was always going to be aluminium, and then they came out with the titanium for yeah. the M's. Now yeah. everything's just going to be titanium. Now isn't it? everything's titanium. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, uh, uh, I guess they've worked out, you know, yeah. there's, with expansion differences with 3D mounts, you want to have a consistent mount. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. So titanium PL mount, the side SSD module. Five inch uh, touchscreen. Uh, you get so the you're red just listing what's in, in this both? is in the X. Okay, okay. red moat. Uh, now what you do get uh, in an in an X that you don't get in an M is a the module adapter to go with the pro battery module. What I haven't worked out is whether because they're listing. I've heard mention of two different kind of battery modules. Okay, you have. With the, let me just go through the rest of it. Sorry, you get two red volt batteries and a travel charger. So what you don't get is a side handle. Okay, so that's out a of thing. the box, so you don't get a, a way. Side handle. Yep. So uh, out of the box, you don't get a way of mounting red volts. So they have. Uh, so yeah, you don't get you, you don't get uh, any SSDs at all, which is obviously a really expensive bit. You don't get a side handle. Uh, you get one year warranty, not two. And you only get two red volts, not four. Okay, so now, okay, so now this becomes really significant. So what we're talking about is not, you know, apples and apples. It's apples and lemons a bit. So, so let's just clarify that. So I have on my M a side handle. That side handle will take a single volt. Yep. And I get four of them, and I get the travel charger. Now the travel charger, I recently moved to the travel charger from having a, a mega quad charger. <laughs> yes. And the travel charger is useful. 
I'm going to want more than one of them yep. and probably want something else yep. that's more sort of industrial. But I plough through on a shoot, like a normal shoot, I will plough through vaults. Yeah, let's talk about it because the red vaults are not, uh, do not last very long. Well, they're fantastic. They're, they're small. Fantastic they small. fit in the high handle yeah, and they're much brilliant. Lighter than but a, they last, what, 15, 20 minutes. 20 yeah, now, minutes, I've so. had a vault for ages, luckily, very kindly, thanks to Red. So thank you for that, guys. And and I love them to death. But yeah, a lot of people have been on the um, uh, the V-locks and feeding those in. And, yeah. in. and in any kind of handheld environment, that is really a pain in the ass because you've now got a cable. Hmm. So when we shot in New Zealand on a helicopter, you had to have a thing around your neck carrying the the you know yeah, the yeah, battery the, and yeah, feed yeah, a cable yeah, up. The old red brick. Yeah. On my steady cam, that's not a problem because obviously I can put a V-lock on the bottom and, and I can just plug that into the camera. But on any kind of handheld thing, you really want those vaults, but you'll plough through them because you'll get about half an hour per vault. Yeah. And you're going to want to cycle them. Uh, now, four, I would like to have six of them. But anyway, four is a minimum. Two, I think, is just really low. Mm. Uh, and then the recharges is a huge thing, right? Because if you've got four of them and you're playing through them and you come in from lunch, you want to get all those on charges. Yeah. Um, remember the original uh, V-Lock battery recharger from Red? Yeah. Had, you know, two V-Locks on either side. Yeah. It was exactly what you wanted. At yeah. the bare minimum, you're going to want a spare travel charger, if not more than that. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, did you mention... Um, SSD readers in that package? Uh, you don't get one. So, see, no, I got, you a, don't get I got an, an SSD, SSD reader. reader. I don't think you get one with an M, though, either. Oh, I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. But I bought a second one because, again, the same thing applies, right? You come in from shooting, you need to clear data quickly, and so you can double your capacity by doubling the readers. Plus, the other thing is if you've got one reader and someone drops it or yeah, a cup it. of coffee, that's the whole camera. Yeah, so you're going to need down. multiple readers. You definitely need multiple. If you're being professional, you need multiple readers. Yep. You need a bunch of batteries. You need a bunch of battery chargers. Yeah. You can't survive with just one. But that being yeah. said, the big difference is whether you run your Epic with a modular, um, as they're calling it, pro battery module. Yeah. And therefore... Um, don't have a side handle and run your batteries that way or you run it with side handles. Now, I've got to say, I don't know this for a fact. It seems to me the only conceivable reason why they've done this is that they don't have a huge supply of side handles. Yeah. Hence the, yeah, well, the, the, there's a bump in the price to be a bit more expensive. How Perhaps, much are the side handles now? Uh, the side handles are now, um, uh, well, seventeen fifty after August, well, after the new year. So what I've... We have talked about, obviously, these price changes. There is a whole bunch of new raft of, of, of changes in price. This is all uh, for if you order after um, New Year's Day, basically. I've, Up I've until not... the end of the year, these, these older prices still apply. The side handle today is 950 bucks. It bumps up significantly to 1750 So, the, I don't know, there's, maybe there's some change going on there. But the side handle is just wickedly useful. Oh, absolutely. It's I fantastic. mean, it, it makes the modularity of the camera Particularly, work. Particularly, obviously, if you're doing using it as the proper, they call it DSMC side handle. Yeah. It's obviously very useful if you're using this as a stills camera, which not a lot of people are. Um, but even that if I know not, of, a lot of people are just shooting motion and then pulling 5K yeah. stills. But even if you're not and you're... Um, Okay, so this is why it's so incredibly useful. If it, let's say you didn't know this next thing I'm about to say. You'd go, well, I can put it on a tripod. What do I care, right? I'll just, why do I need a side handle when it's on a tripod? I'm really always on a tripod. Tripod's fine. Okay, and the answer to that is the bomb. The second you put the bomb on, yeah. how do you control the menus? 
Yeah. Because without the LCD, the only way to control the menus while looking through the bomb viewfinder is with the side handle. Well, that, that's not 100% true. You could do stuff red with the red mode. mode. But, true. But holding the camera and, and operating, yeah. you can't get your hand around the back of the camera. Yeah. So if you've got it up to your eye, your thumb naturally sits on the handle and you can control the menus with your thumb and do yeah, stuff. It's the, yeah, it's the natural intuitive thing. You don't have to You could your not away. have your eye on the bomb viewfinder and then yeah. intuitively feel the remote yeah. and use it, besides which you'd then have a hand either not on the camera or bent around the back of your head. Yeah, there's, so, you, there's a couple of user buttons on the bomb, but nothing that really lets you have the amount of control that you have with the side angle. So I think... I think it's an inferior combo of operator joy, not an inferior combo in the sense it doesn't work, yeah. to be trying to work the bomb off the red moat without a side handle. That seems to me to be a really pretty um, inconvenient way of operating yeah. your camera. I wonder I, if this does flag a bit of a delay in side handles, um, the fact that they're going to start shipping them without them, and then maybe that's something you're going to have to order later and or wait for. Not sure. I don't know, but I, I do think that's a big diff mm. right now. Yeah. If, so so okay. You're going to answer. Why don't you answer first? Would you go a X and wait, or go with an M? That's a really tough question because you don't know how long you're going to wait. But just just Say, today for this podcast, yeah. hypothetically, hypothetically shipping in September. Uh, I will. I would probably. I'm going to wait. Because okay. you can customize it a bit more. Uh, obviously, there is a little bit. Even though you build it up with all these added stuff, it is still going to be um, something like ten or fifteen or so cheaper. Um, and as I say, you can customize these things a little bit yourself. I mean, ten grand, um, ten grand. But here's what I would say: if you're going to go that route, I would really get. I really put my hand up for a side handle. Yeah. Like, almost before you even get a camera. Yeah, um, definitely. And I do think that side handle is super useful, having s- not only for sticking vaults in there, but just for picking up the darn camera, walking around with it. And plus, this camera just loves being handheld, loves yeah. being free and easy. Absolutely, it's It's got enough mass to it that you can have... I mean, we've talked about how hard it is to keep a, a 5D or yep. you know a, a DSLR steady and why there's an entire industry in billions changing hands across the world daily on on systems to try and keep these things steady the the i think the epic is got enough mass to it particularly with the lenses that you might use at the front to sort of keep it to be steady enough um as it stands so yeah just putting the handle on is almost enough particularly maybe if you have that second point third point of contact contact with it may say a bomb so but, here's, a, here's a really interesting point right sorry go on yeah yeah no, the, the, the other i guess unrelated question but i guess Going to the customization thing is if you've got the ability to choose SSDs. Now, you've been running with, what, four or so 128 gig yep. since you got the machine, right? Obviously, as we've talked about with Epic, it's a great way to generate a ton of data, particularly if you're yep. not that you use it all the time, but obviously HDRX doubles it or going off speed, yep. obviously doubles, triples, quadruples it. So would you if you had a chance to rebuild that side of things would you go 256s or stick with 128s obviously there's a there's a price impact of course what what's the pricing difference uh it is that's an excellent question cuz here's what i would say shortly. generally I think speaking question, i think it's about 1700 bucks versus a couple of grand while you're while you're continuing okay, so what I'll i'm going to say exactly. is if you so what i have is 428s i would not swap that for two 
256s because the thing is that I like having at least four because then I can have two up at the camera, two back at DIT. Yep. Um, so if you went to 256s, you'd have to invest more money because you wouldn't be able to survive with just two yeah. 256s yeah. because you wouldn't want to have just one up at the camera yeah. and or in the no. follow car or in the motorboat or wherever it is. Yeah. And back at DIT, you wouldn't want to have just one. And also with just two and one of them got damaged, I mean, you've wiped yeah. out half your... You've now, if you fill up a card... Yeah. The production stops. Yeah, so there's no way you that's can survive right. with that, two that's cards. That's absolutely true. That's so you're going to need at least point of failure. three or four at cards. At least, well, here I'm thinking, and and I'm also not thinking, uh, one two fifty six and a couple of one twenty eights. I like the idea of having three. I like the idea of having one. To take the truth, big I just one, bought. But it. I hate having yeah. them them different. I hate the having to sort of think now. Which now the one different is bad. First? That's I why just, I like the four one twenty eights. I would actually probably go. I just did actually buy another sixty four. Now, I'll tell you why I did that, because I've got it for my red one, because I want to, if somebody wants to borrow my red one, I don't want to lend out the 128s. Right. So. Yeah, uh, that's a good idea, because the red one's going to go through data a little bit less But also, we tend the to use that in the studio, and it's easy yeah. to just stick the 64 in there, and yeah. it's the red one's one, and somehow mentally, it's just the card for interchanging stuff out of the red one, Yeah. and I should probably have at least two for that, but I would not very... I'm, see, I'm not using the red one in the production way. I'm using the Epic. Price is obviously a factor. So it, an, a 64 is 950 bucks. And so that was just a great way to get my red one not useless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And, and you know, make it, you know, it's a, it's investment in keeping it, you know. Uh, a, and I kind of mentally thought that if the prices plummet on the SSDs, yeah. I'd move all four 128s to my red one yep. and get four or six 256 for the Epic. Yeah. So I'm kind of mentally thinking I don't want to kit up my red one too much. I need the minimum amount so I can use my red one here in the studio in a sensible way. Mm. Um, and then for the Epic, it's going to be hand-me-down for, to the red one. But compared to the CFs of old of having like a 32-gig CF card, right, 128-gig SSD, if you're just mucking around and just shooting a bit of HDRX here, an HDRX here, a bit of overcrank here and there, you can fill up a 128 pretty quick. You can, but... I've not, I've not been seriously shooting and shot all four, and no. got in a hole. No, uh, yeah. Like when we're in helicopters and stuff, we'd shoot two or three. Yeah. Because uh, obviously, it depends on the style of work you're doing. I mean, obviously, mm. if you're shooting just you know interviews where you don't cut, it's like headshots. You'll obviously you know easily have an hour interview and you're going to run through them. But if you're shooting shots, like we did uh, down on the water, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's Ripped fine. through a couple of those in a couple of hours. You know, yeah, but you've got around. a couple we more of sleeves, so you're not panicking. Yeah, we were yeah, cranking 300 majorly. frames a second does plow into it a bit. Yeah. And it's funny, the only time I've been caught, and it's ironic, I was interviewing Ted on my red, I, <laughs> so at red, and Damn, I decided, where would you find more SSDs? No, but I'm there, and I, I've switched it into, I don't know why. I was showing someone. I switched it into three-to-one compression or something, and HDRX, and then did an interview. And we were like a sensible amount through it, and it stopped. And I went, what? That doesn't seem right. Mm. I was so used to shooting at like 6-to-1 or 12-to-1 and not shooting HDRX. Shooting at 3-to-1 or HDRX was in stupid, just I'd left the buttons on. Right. And then I would notice it. So I clearly would be frustrated with a 64 yep. on the Epic. So I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't recommend 64 for the Epic, but 
uh, I've got to tell you, I'd be more interested right now in making sure you had at least four cards than I would whether they were 128s or yeah. 256s. So you're going to need a lot of cards. You're going to need at least cheaper. four 128s or maybe a 256 and one a couple of 128s, but you need more than two. Definitely more you than two. Definitely don't, you know, 64, I think, is great for the red one. Obviously, people have been coping very happily you know, with, 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 with lesser in the CF card. Well, remember, department. we had eight gig CF cards when we started on the red ones. Yeah. That's remember the eight gig cards? And then went to the 16 gig cards. How you survived? I don't know. You definitely need more than a couple of readers. Yeah. You need more than one reader. And you definitely need more than a couple of uh, red volts. So I think, yeah. Definitely. But this definitely is going to need minimum four, maybe sort of six or eight red volts. They're like 190 bucks each or something. I think that's one thing. You're just going to need a ton of those because you're going to rip through them and you're going to, once you have the convenience of just not being tethered by anything and if you're going to shoot a lot of handheld or, you know, doing sort of DSMC kind of work or run and gun, you're going to need, you're going to need a ton of those. So, um, uh, where else were we? Okay, so I think um, so. Obviously, partly with so the, the that just brings kits. The, the the bomb though. Sorry, the yeah. bomb. You you don't get a bomb, do you? No, you do not get a bomb. So that's another big factor. Now that's obviously going to be that's a bit of a question as to whether you want to really kit your thing out for a proper onset. Uh, you know, our onset kit for renting that's going to be very complete. If you don't have the bomb, what about the side handle? The side it depends. You know, I mean, I've been caught out. I literally just quite recently shooting something with a little bit of sun flare, which I thought looked fine, but also I was looking on the monitor and I couldn't see the flare because my monitor was flaring and I thought it was a monitor flaring, but it was actually my image. If I'd had an EVF, if, or if I'd had the, the, the bomb, I would have spotted the flare. Um, uh, I was just basically a, a cutter was in shot. A cutter was in frame, but the cutter moved, so and I didn't spot it. I had the same thing. I was shooting in Queensland, and I had a black uh, flag, you know, like a floppy mm. hanging down, and the wind started coming up a little, yeah. and it just started fluttering in the bottom left corner of frame. Right, it was out when I set it, but just because of the wind, it because it was like a light breeze, just started mm. lifting up, and on a. On the LCD without the without a viewfinder, yeah. you can't tell that stuff. You can't be looking around the frame that way. Yeah, yeah. Now, that being said, I have to confess to being a bit of a slack bastard and I'm not as quick as I should be to breaking out the bomb and going with the bomb. Yeah. So Part of the reason I go with the LCD sometimes, and when I used an EVF recently, everyone around me complained because I haven't really been running Video Village lately. I've sort of – the kind of work I've been doing – uh, I've been sort of being a bit more sort of um, my own sort of uh, my own video village, I guess. So people have been relying on a monitor on my rig to look over and just check the shots. Sound guys, literally, had fantastic sound guy, David Lee. He, he was a lot of the time not even asking me give me an edge. He'd just look over and look at my monitor yeah, and he could see top of frame. Going, can I yeah. just have a quick Yeah, so, so people kind of, you know, rely on it and assistants see it and stuff and they sort of use it, you know, on and off. So going with a EVF kind of an EVF only, which, of course, with the Epic, without any other way of doing it, you it's an either-or event I at the moment. I guess you could put a hood on the... LCD. Yeah, you can have another unless you run an external monitor off off SDI. You, it's an either or thing. You yeah. can't run EVF at but the moment. You can't run EVF and bomb. You can't run EVF and the touchscreen at the. Dear uh, listener, I, I haven't told you this, but I I, I caved and bought a, a small HD SS S, SDI uh, HD SDI. Yes, small DP6. HD 
DP6. Right. And I, I, Jason knows this because he basically helped me buy Talked it. Talked into it. Yeah, walked me through therapy. So not that I have a problem with my other monitor, but I know those of you that were watching Monitor Wars. Um, yes. So we'll see how we go. And now since mm. I bought it, Jason Diamond in New York told me I was an idiot because they're not bright enough. Somebody else emailed me and said, you're an idiot because they're not bright enough. So if I prove that I'm not bright enough, I'm going to lay the blame on your feet. <laughs> Saying you're not bright But if bright they're great, enough, I really totally give you credit. Okay, thanks. Good. So, so okay. uh, yeah, bomb is going to be a question for your own, you know, of your own shooting style. Here's the thing, though, and this is bomb is this is relates to a bit our, of a chunk. Yeah, this relates bucks. to our red room, and it also relates to SLRs for those of you that are not shooting red or anything. Um, I got to tell you, I am just. I mean, this is should come as no surprise. It's just the raw format, full stop, be mm. it SLRs or whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing that kills me the most is when I go to an SLR and shoot video because I don't have raw. And that's when I need viewfinders and LCD covers and everything else. Because mm. I'm going to tell you, if I'm shooting stills... You've really got to shoot to the neg, so to speak. You've really got to Yeah, when I'm shoot shooting stills in raw, I can afford to judge it off the monitor back because if i'm out by a stop uh, it's there yeah, yeah and on the on sure. the on the epic if i'm out by a stop i can get it back mm, mm. because i'm shooting raw now the so what i'm saying is that it's much more relevant on your canon slr rig dear listener uh with to have proper loop proper you know viewfinder proper everything else because that yeah. is so unforgiving on highlights and if you get the exposure wrong it's just a bitch to regrade yeah but if you if you that said a flare is a flare if it's your if it's fogging a corner of your film or sort of flaring oh, out someone that, milking sh- out look, someone's shooting, face you can recover it but it's a lot no, but shooting in a, queensland and i'll tell you about it when i can but it was awesome i was shooting stills and i got some flares and stuff some you know because I was obviously trying to get everything backlit and mm, mm. sexy, and it flared a bit. But I mean, I want to say I could crush the blacks and on the raws. Yeah, it depends was totally on the flare, there. obviously. But yeah, it's not the same as no, no, quite oh, getting just like a stop. No, a lens flare per se is not obviously going to grade out because it's right across the front of the image. Yeah, but a a, a milking up of the image mm. type. Is that what, yeah. Do you yeah. call that a flare or do you call it something else? Well, yeah, I call it a flare still. Yeah, yeah so when it milks so it up a little, yeah. I can grade that out. Yeah, I, 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 I can too and I did. And it was, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I, I, honestly, I, I think that I go and use an SLR and unless I'm shooting stills, I just am a kind of dumbstruck at how you get such great images out of yours because there is no safety net. No, you, you do. Yeah. I'm not saying it. I've just seen a... Dear listener, a amazing new campaign that uh, that uh, my friend here has done, and I think it's now gone to wear, but we won't discuss the campaign. It has? No, it's far too political hot potato to discuss. Point is, though, it's uh, sensational. I saw it in, um, in, in uh, its final form, and it looks really, really good. But you shot that, didn't you, on SLR? I'm right. Yep, yeah, 5D. And it looks friggin' awesome. Now, I've been shooting on Epic, or I've been shooting stills, and I've just had this massive safety net. And I've, I have shot video, actually even recently, I did a bunch of interviews uh, up in Queensland. And it was then that I suddenly sort of put the alert sign on myself and went, okay, you really need to get this right because I'd got so used to that couple of stops latitude on both my epic footage and my yeah. raw. And, and to that end, I've got to say also, don't you just want epic footage in Lightroom? I just want Lightroom. I want Adobe to release Lightroom plugin that reads R3Ds. And I just want to be able to take my clips I don't care what they call it. They call it Lightroom Plus or 
light, I don't, I don't care how much they charge, like $3,000, $5,000. If you gave me Lightroom that could grade Do. R3Ds and had some tracking so that obviously shapes could yeah. move with faces. But I think, I mean, Lightroom's great and obviously I've been, you know, been using it for my stills a lot and obviously been using for... Um, uh, for uh, moving footage, been using uh, looks, which is fantastic. But obviously, what you the kind of the difference between say looks and Lightroom is probably the difference between Magic Bullet and Resolve, I guess. Is you got that sort of control? We completely moved away from uh, the news. So whatever <laughs> we category, whatever away from the news. This is, okay, so here's the thing. Let's go back is and just resolve, wrap that up. Really. Is resolve? No, no. Well, oh, that's fine. Okay. Right. We kind of have right. All right. Okay. But my, uh, there's a more interesting discussion. Is resolve? Lightroom for Epic. Well, it's it's much more than that, I guess. It's um, oh, it's more than that. Well, I mean, obviously, you've got the ability to do secondaries, and um, I guess I'm, I'm, all the people who are sort of very deep into Lightroom are probably just shouting, "No, you can!" But you know, obviously, you've got a lot more. Obviously, Resolve, you, you've got the tracking, noise reduction, stabilizing. Um, uh, you've just the ability to sort of control vignettes a lot more. Because um, I I use Scratch quite a lot. I guess it's I guess it's clo- yeah, it's definitely closer than the ability than than what you have with would say looks. The trouble with the trouble when you okay so here's the trouble the Scratch is a great prep station and a great system, um, but any system like that suffers under the weight that the second that you put moving clips in there you want to. Conform, uh, deal with XML, deal with um, you know tons of stuff to do with it being a cut. The trouble is, I, I really hoped that fi- that color was going to be for Final Cut, sort of the Lightroom for you know like there would be like this module that you just graded in that didn't care about EDLs and stuff. And that, but of course that's gone by the wayside mm. um, because it's it's a huge problem, right? Because I'm joking about Lightroom because you, the second you made Lightroom moving moving clips, everyone would say, "Well, can I conform? How do I bring in the EDL?" Yeah, but since you then begs the question: Is it Storm? But the trouble with Storm is it's only red. Um, the great thing about yeah. Scratch and Resolve is that both of those products will deal with anything, anything, and all the other stuff much. you want. Yeah. Which hopefully Storm will someday too. But I don't know. We're close. I don't know yet that I have my perfect grading. Lightroom for video product. Mm. Mm. Well, like the, the contenders are definitely those three, right? Storm, yeah. Scratch, and Resolve. Well, well, lo- I guess. Well, looks has come a long, a long way, and obviously, one a part of my news uh, has been something that we should have done. I should have announced a while ago uh, when it was released a few, a few, da- a few uh, weeks back. Is the uh, is Magic Bullet Looks Two, which is uh, if okay, if you've not actually used Magic Bullet Looks, this is a plugin for uh, basically color control and image control plugin for uh, Final Cut Pro and for Premiere and for After Effects. Now it's just a fantastic. I mean, if you're used to something like Lightroom and the and the ability or Aperture, the ability to sort of you know very easily get in there and con- control and, and 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 grade stuff. This is actually is even a bit more sort of user friendly than even that. I think yet, yet, yet there's a ton of control in there. So um, for those who are familiar with Magic Magic Bullet uh, looks, the new version is fantastic. The layout is great. They've really improved the interface. Not that the interface was bad at all, but beforehand they've just made it a lot easier to jump from from looks to the modules. Um, 
the one fantastic add-on to it is the ability to have video out. Obviously, when you previously were grading and color controlling, color grading with, with, with looks, you kind of stepped out of the Final Cut Pro kind of um, area and, and entered this new sort of um, interface, I guess, uh, where you played with the looks. And there was really no way to see how, as you change things, to see how that looked on your final output monitor. So now there's feedback with that that you can, as you change stuff, it, it goes through your 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 you know, preview monitor, I guess. Um, and it didn't handle a lot of higher res stuff as soon as you started to throw in, you know, or wanted to grade um, elements that were higher than your sort of project or, high, you know, higher than, than HD, it kind of freaked out. So now, obviously, providing you've got the gear and the, 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 the hardware to handle it, you can go right up to sort of 4K or 8K. It's got a ton of new presets, which is great because, you know, the presets were fantastic, a really great way to... Uh, kick off a, a look you know what was great uh, even when I was grading with guys or even, and obviously I still do even when I'm grading with guys in Resolve or you know I would often just say look can you just I'm not really sure what I want but I just want something interesting can you just hit the button marked look which of course there never was but maybe I'm sure that you know these days there probably is I just want like the idea to have give me something interesting as a springboard to then it's never going to always 100% work for me but I want to be able to take it and then sort of play with it and what's fantastic with it and obviously this is the same with version one if you grab one of those looks it's not you're not just stuck with that look you then have control over every single element that makes up that look the diffusion or the black lifting or the um uh you know vignetting and you know the sort of color control so it's just really great so now it's also brings in uh, something that was kind of missing uh, as a basic kind of color correction system it has um like color wheels and and scopes so it's added a lot of stuff from Colorista, which was uh, another Red red Giant product. So that's added a little bit more control to, um, so you can actually basically just do standard three-color, you know, three-way color control, which is, you know, obviously you don't even have to do the looks. You can just step into that way. Uh, And a really small thing, which I think is really very, very handy, is they've changed the ability to change the aspect ratio of vignettes, because vignettes are always just vignettes, and you can control, you make them bigger or smaller, but they're always kind of round, you know, and frames are never really round your frame is kind of you know rectangular so the ability to change all those and what's fantastic about it is if you've got now as everyone is moving on and experimenting with other packages um you can uh, buy you buy it once, and then you can install it on Premiere or After Effects and Motion, and and so you can install it across all of those packages with one, you know, just buying it once. So uh, unless it sound like a uh, an ad for <laughs> say, for Red Giant, but this is one thing you is, haven't touched on though, which I think is just unbelievably awesome. Is I use looks in uh, Lightroom. Ah, oh, yes, and I can set up a look in Lightroom which is exactly what I want to do. And when I'm working on SLR footage, this is exactly what I do. I always, always click the button and get a high res Mm. when I'm setting up for an interview or for a video piece, right? So I get the high res still. I could set that up in Lightroom with looks and go, that's what I like, wherever I am, on the plane, in a car, wherever. Yeah. Save that look and then I can open that same settings on the video version, obviously at a different resolution, Mm. in Final Cut. So let's say I get a flare happening and a shallow depth of field thing happening because all of that's available in in looks. Mm. And I go, that's cool, and email it to you and you go, yeah, I like that. And then I can just open that same thing up in the video version, which you might say, well, why don't I just do it in the video version in the first place? But quite often I don't have all that material 
online on my laptop because you're just laying off tons of material and you're putting it out to um oh did i tell you i've got a new i've ordered a new um thunderbolt sorry okay hold that thought terabyte hold that thought because i'm just gonna i'm wrapping up on the magic bullet sorry, rant, rant yeah. thing and then i'll we'll talk about that the way that works together because the up um now if you own looks previously it's 99 bucks to upgrade to version two uh, if you own Quick Looks, it's two ninety nine. But um, I think what's really good is if you own M- Magic Bullet Looks, you can go to the upgrade to the entire suite for three ninety nine. So what, what's cool is what that includes what Mike was just talking about, which is apart from a whole ton of other stuff, it includes uh, photo looks. Which is if you're again, if you're used to using Magic Bullet Looks in Final Cut Pro, you can have the same um, level of control inside Lightroom or inside Aperture or Photoshop. So if you're used to that way of working, it's a really nice way to add a lot more control to uh, to Lightroom than, than it will do. So you can get so obviously with the suite there, you can have Grinder, um, uh, the photo looks we talked about, um, Denoiser, uh, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff, and this new thing called Cosmo, which is a really interesting. Uh, have you, obviously, you've seen the demos for this, Mike. It's uh, I guess it's kind of like a cosmetic and beauty uh, skin cleanup kind of plug-in. Uh, it's quite interesting. Obviously, you can um, you know you can have a lot of control of selecting the skin, isolating the skin, like almost like doing a secondary grade on skin, select isolating it and then smoothing it, and obviously keeping the level of detail back in there so it doesn't look like it's you know everyone's wearing a kabuki mask or something. You got to sort anything of, I'd say. It, okay, okay. It's uh, you know, it's it's quite a simple little. Plug- Plug-in, but it's you know it's very clever. It's quite powerful, but you know for three ninety nine to upgrade and have all this stuff, and then have you talked about Mike, which is have the ability to do do looks on on shots you might have done on on set, um, and then to be able to export those 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 looks. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. In Lightroom, you can export the looks, which then will would work in Final Cut. Or, yeah, the the or only thing I'd After say Effects. about Magic Bullet stuff. I mean, obviously, I love it to death, but I do think. I do think, and this is completely an aside, they need to solve their product lineup naming system. <laughs> because I've got to tell you, like you go, uh, I've got Magic Bullet, really? So that's Magic Bullet, not Plastic Bullet. Yeah, no, Magic Bullet, pla- no, I've, yeah, I've got Magic oh, Bullet. Magic Bullet looks. So no, you've got no, Colorista? Magic uh, no, I've got, well, I've got, oh, okay, I've got Colorista. Uh, well, I thought you had Mojo. What's Mojo? No, 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 uh, no, it's the, no, it's the Cosmo. No, it's wait. Magic Bullet. Now, does Colorista, Cosmo plug right? into looks? Wait, I thought you said you had Colorista. No, no, I have, I have uh, Grinder. What? No, I have frames. Hang on. But that's... Isn't there a new instant HD? Hang on. Which one do I want? And, and the only one that I can ever remember... I can remember Colorista Come is the top to of the mic. line. Come back. I can remember Looks is in Lightroom, and I can remember Plastic Bullet is on my iPhone. And then yeah. the rest... Yeah. Plastic Mojo Bullet Looks Combo <laughs> Colorista 8. Hey, look, I'm they're like, overachievers. What and can then, I say? And then, they, they make a lot of no, stuff. But, then, but hang on, that's before you even get to the presets where you can buy the Rebel Looks or the Rebel Plugin for hey, Looks yeah. or Simon Walker's wedding events for Looks. And you're like, what? Which is plug-in patch, which could well yeah. be taken as being an actual piece of software. So honestly, if somebody said to me, which magic bullet should I get... <laughs> But, I mean, really, like, you've got to hand it to Adobe, right? Like, it's pretty clear. Like, there's, you know, like, there's Photoshop, there's Lightroom, and there's Illustrator. It's like, <laughs> you kind of know what it is. But with, with Magic Bullet, it's No, like, there's not. There's Production Premium. There's Production Premium Extended something or other. There's the uh, um, the whole damn just, thing, whatever they call it. There's right. the Buy Them Individual. There's the Education. There's the Non-Education. There's the Student and Teacher. So, if I buy the- Colorista, I don't get Denoise, for example? See... 
And where does, where does where does frames fit in? And is grinder standard with full HD? I mean, I, I'm I'm lost. I'm really I am. Like I mean, I, I love the products. Don't get me wrong, but it's like some point I go, huh? Okay. Like <laughs> really? I'm like what? And frames? You think that frames is going to give you like frames? Frames, but actually it gives you not not frames. Well, it gives you not fields. As in frames, not fields, right. for deinterlacing and stuff. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, okay. So, so I think that my problem is that that the vast number of combos, and as I said, I've if you look at the website, it doesn't even cover things like plastic bullet. And then there's different versions of rubber bullets and plastic bullets and things. That I mean, at some point, it just needs to be a little easier to understand. It's what's called product name extension. Right, and it's it's the marketing department gone crazy. Well, they're giving you, you know, it's it's the ability to you know pick and mix, you know, to be able to have those things. You don't have to buy, you know, the whole thing for eight hundred dollars or whatever. If you're buying straight out from the beginning, you can just buy what you need. But for eight hundred dollars, it shouldn't be this complicated as to the number of different things that are in the pack. <laughs> I mean, really, it shouldn't. I mean, I'm, I love them to death. They're great guys. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's like really out of control, complicated to know what you want. And at some point, you just go, I don't want to buy the wrong thing. Yeah. So you, you know, I mean, do I want to spend $99 on instant HD? It sounds like what I want, but maybe it isn't. I don't know. And that, and then the press releases are like, it runs on your iPad. I'm like, oh, so this is the iPad product? Anyway, so, <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay. You what? Right. This sounded like me last week with Final Cut Pro, so we'll just move I, on. I want the cheats guide to magic bullet products. I want you need Red giant one on I want I want Grande, I want <laughs> Venti, I want Grande. I want three levels. Double decaffeinated uh, mocha chino. Yeah, I really feel like the guy that's walked into Starbucks for the first time and says, I was after a cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everything's getting complicated. Twist. Why did Red have to add stage three point five? Honestly. People, hello. Well, I, you know, I've completely discounted I know we're professional, but we're not freaking Mensa. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm like, honestly, I'm willing to bet all the money in my pocket right now that by the time we get to stage 3.5, it won't be this. It won't be. Yeah. It'll be some other thing. That's right. I'm not saying that Red are a bad company for doing it. I think they're great. They just, but, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just so optimistic of them to think that they're actually going to run through to the end of stage four without changing it all again. Yeah, true. I'm, I think, um, yeah, someone made some Twitter comment. I'll try and find it. But, yeah, it was quite funny as to how complicated it's getting these days. Ah, dear. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the Red Room. <laughs> so this is all kind of relevant to what we've been discussing because uh, we're becoming, I'm becoming anyway, certainly, very interested and spending a lot more time color grading uh, than I ever used to do. And... Uh, obviously coming from an effects background, but, you know, getting the best out of your shots is everything. And so when you start getting to things like RED, the fact that you're shooting RAW means you need to be able to process them, and you can do that in RED Cine X. Of course you can, but it's, it's A, a one-trick pony that only deals with RED files, and B, it doesn't have the kind of color grading grunt that you get from the major high-end systems. And there are about, what, two or three major high-end systems that, that matter, Tr- yeah. you know, North Light, True Light stuff being one of them. Uh, and the other is, of course, DaVinci. Yep. And uh, so you basically sat down and went through uh, Resolve 8. 
yeah, we went through the I guess product range, how they all relate together, and because um, obviously it's 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 a it's a it's something that is becoming more and more. It, you know, this is something that uh, Da Vinci's doing themselves with the imminent launch of of Da Vinci Light, Resolve Light. Um, this is uh, you know, there's democratizing this something which uh, you know has been sort of up until now, particularly with, and also with this software, it's been a bit of a dark art. The whole the whole coloring. You know, thing is, it's high end. And, and there's things. a couple of points been... to that. I think, firstly, I really, honestly, totally believe that people were down on Da Vinci when it got bought by Black Magic. They were like, "There goes the farm." Mm. And there's been 180 degrees on that because far be it from Black Magic to destroy the brand, they've completely reinvigorated it. Yeah, there's just no doubt that it, they've way exceeded expectations on what Black Magic was gonna do when Da Vinci brand went there. Um, um, and you know, obviously, uh, no, Dan, Dan will obviously you know talk about it at length. But we, what's interesting is once you delve a little bit into how it works, you just need to watch a couple. There's a great even just by Dan as well at the uh, even when you go to Black Magic to the Resolve page at Black Magic. Dan's doing a, an overview of Resolve on, on video, and you, uh, once he steps through how it works, you just really get an idea. That this is really quite an accessible program, which before has been, you know, sort of perceived as this sort of, you know, alchemy that sort of, you know, only well, uh, those with. Well, it's funny you should with, say that because <laughs> within the next week, uh, we're going to be launching some new training at FX PhD that is completely not like a normal training in the sense that you can just buy it and download it instantly uh, on Resolve 8 with, uh, with Warren Eagles. Yes, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you all 10 classes as a sampler. because Excellent. they're. Um, but yeah, that's uh, high-end stuff. So look, I, I think you're right. That, that's really interesting. The other thing I wanted to say is I just saw, again, uh, have you seen the new Harry Potter film? No. I've been holding off. Okay, so... Uh, Peter Doyle did it and I don't know what he graded it on because I haven't spoken to him about it but I've got to say I just remember sitting there in the cinema just going this is gorgeous like it is just gorgeous in Mm. terms of its grade yeah and there's a point at which that film is so much richer and I was really struck by it because my kids grabbed the first one which I think was Philosopher's Stone and put it on on DVD at home so we had and I just looked at it at home the day before and I was like my god this is so perky and green and red and blue and bright and chirpy and kind of and then I went and saw Philosopher's Stone Mark 8 and I was this is um, like it was filmed on and projected on blotting paper with um, the subtlety of a a master painter from the you know impressionist period it was just Spectacular! Because the last one, well, I said last one. The second last one looks does looks fantastic itself. No, no, this is this is like Peter Doyle, who is obviously an incredibly good senior supervising grader in mm. Lord of the Rings, has absolutely outdone himself. I'm going to try and get a story on this for FX Guide. Now, I don't know if he used Da Vinci or not, but obviously he used a high end desk. Mm. But when you look at a film like that, um, it's not a look. Like you get from, like in Transformers, there was like shots that were the, you know, kick-ass commercial looking shots. Yeah, it's that you go, very commercial. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's like there were shots in that that were out of a car commercial. Mm, yeah. And the cars, you know, I mean, I know it was product placement, but if it wasn't, it was an actual interrupt the film with an ad for this car <laughs> kind of shot. 
And that's great. That's beauty. That is that is talented grading yeah. um, to make a car look that good and make everything look that good. But it wasn't texturally, um, story-wise, uh, just empathetically rich the way that um, Harry Potter 7 Part 2 is. So, anyway. Yeah. Obviously, there... That's an art in itself doing it. Is, so, it's yeah. not an overbearing look. It is, uh, it is more of a feeling. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, good. it's an immersive feeling and it's not just slapping a look just, on stuff uh, and yeah, just winding it up and crushing and, it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think the most interesting place creatively right now is uh, is colour grading. So, I'm really, really glad that you did this interview. Let's, let's run that now. You are entering the Red Room. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Good to be here. Excellent. Good to have you here. So what's new with version 8 of Resolve? Well, Resolve version 8 has about 35 new features, so I'll probably just cut to the the big ones. Uh, Number one kind of feature for me is the multi-track timeline. So originally you had to get um, a collapsed DDL, very neat kind of uh, offline. So now we've got um, FCP7 XML import and exports and Avid AF imports. So, I mean, you can get your edits in nice and easy. So if you've got A, B sort of edits and overlaps and things that come in. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Right. So with uh, XML, you can get, uh, it's like edits, dissolves, you get some blending modes. So if the offline has kind of gone a bit more advanced, uh, you can get like sub, uh, subtract, adds, uh, even some clock wipes if you want to go that way. So it's, it's taken across most of the projects that you'll need now. Uh, it's made my life a lot easier. Just open the XML and everything falls into place. Because even in version 7, I think the the just bringing in an EDL was obscenely simple and I was expecting something far more complicated or for it to come in very slowly and or quite crippled. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The, the main problem people had was, say, with Canon uh, footage because you didn't have, say, a real number and the time code was duplicated. Uh, and that's one of the main benefits of XML is it'll take all your kind of tapeless formats and it'll just load it up straight away for you. Um, so like anyone working tape-based or film-based... EDL was no problem. So it's, uh, it's nice to be able to just one-click, import everything, set up your project, and press play straight away. Uh, so like the next kind of big feature, I think, is the, the noise reduction. So uh, like we always had grain reduction with the Revival product. Um, Resolve 8 now has noise reduction for, say, uh, digital noise. So like, say, noise in the shadows, uh, especially with, say, RED or, or Canon, you might have pushed the ISO a little bit. And you just want to pull that down. So uh, the best thing is you can key it so you can qualify to a certain area of the picture or you can put it in a shape. So if you want to keep someone's skin tone perfect but remove some of the shadows, uh, you can just crank up the noise reduction in that area. So it's, it's very handy. Otherwise then, so OpenCL is quite um, a stealth kind of improvement, but it means that originally we needed beefy NVIDIA cards, so they ran on the CUDA platform. Uh, but now with OpenCL, it can run on the new MacBook Pros, the new iMacs, um, and with the free version especially, you can have Resolve across your whole facility. Uh, so it takes down that initial investment. Uh, curve grading as well, if anybody's coming across from a lot of other applications, say Apple Color or uh, like pretty much anything you, you use to curves. Uh, so we've added in like saturation curves, luminance curves, uh, and they're really good for quick looks. So if, you wanna, if you're in session with a client, you need to tweak it very quickly. You can add one node and just tweak, okay, pull down a little bit of red, increase the red, or sorry, yellows, off you go. So uh, a lot of people are very into the, the curve grading. Like say Apple Color users are looking for something new. Uh, when you open up Resolve, you should be able to just go straight to the curves and get the same grades and push play. Um, I like, there's also the RGB mixer, which is uh, great for, say, like realigning 
uh, lost data. So if you've got some blown highlights, you can actually pull data from other channels. Uh, so we've kind of added in simple curves and then advanced kind of realignment tools. So it's something for everybody in there, I think. Also, if you're into stereo, we've added a lot more stereo stuff. Uh, we've now got auto alignment, so you get your um, convergence aligned horizontally. Uh, then you've also got auto matching. So you can basically take a 3D project, tell it to auto align, auto match, and then grade as normally. So it can just tie all the eyes together, match it up, and, and press play again. And then the best thing, again, is once you've done all your alignment, you can tell Resolve, protect my 3D adjustments and protect that balance. So you can make it lock together and then grade as normal, reset at 1,500 times, and it'll still be aligned and matched. So it'll always keep that difference as a baseline and then work from there. Yeah, and if you want to change it, then you can turn it off. You can say, okay, I'd like to adjust it again. So it's uh, made life a lot easier. Um, again, another cool thing is Epic support. Uh, we've got HDR grading, uh, so you can pull detail from the, the X channel if you need to, which uh, should hopefully be nice for you. Uh. So it treats it basically as a separate channel and or you've got sort of separate blending modes? or uh, Not at the moment blending uh, modes, but we're, we're going to add that in. Um, basically at the moment it shows up as one clip on the timeline, uh, so yeah. you don't have to worry about aligning them or anything like that. And then you just right-click on the node graph and say, um, I want to add another source. And then it automatically gives you the two tracks and you can blend them. Uh, at the moment, it's just opacity. But what I've found is you can actually key certain areas. So if I want to take the shadows from one layer and I want to uh, kind of say comp it on top, um, you can just select it and grade pretty easily. And then, of course, we added a new panel as well. A lot of people are very into the Arvid Artist Color Panel because it's quite nice and neat and small. Um, so as soon as you download Resolve 8, it'll just instantly add support for that. Euphonics Color, I think it was. And yeah. now it's Avid Color. Uh, yes, the Avid Artist Color. As far as I know, it's exactly the same. Yeah, well, we'll touch on panels a little bit later, I think. Yep. Cause yeah, that's cool. Obviously, there's a lot of alternatives to the awesome $30,000 division. <laughs> oh, yes. I've got one of those on my desk. It's just, <laughs> can't get enough of it. Talking about the noise reduction, it seems like you're adding a lot more sort of features that could be considered part of online, like stabilizing and things. Yes, yeah. We've got stabilization as well. So if you want to... Um, just say pull the hand, the camera shake out of it. It works exactly the same way as our tracker. So it's multi-point tracking. Um, you just hit track forwards, it does all the work for you. Uh, and then you've got a couple of options. So you could um, you can do like a stabilized zoom, so to get rid of all the blanking. Um, and then you could bring in uh, some of the motion again. So we've got a thing called smooth frames. You just drag up, I think it goes in, in frames, and you can go up to say 10 and apply that, and it'll give it just more like a steady feel. So right. uh, it's quite nice to be able to reintroduce it um, after you've killed the, the kind of stabilization completely. Yeah, you just want to sometimes just want to take the edge off it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's great to be able to just see it in preview, then just push play, keep everyone happy, uh, and all these features are all real time as well. That's that's the best thing is as we add more in, um, you can hit play and it'll still go in real time. Now, obviously, real time probably has an asterisk after it because we'll probably touch yeah. on yeah, we'll, depending on your we'll system. touch on on <laughs> system dependent <laughs> exactly. So we'll sort of uh, talk about that, I guess, uh, in terms of uh, you know hardware and what what you can start with and how you can build it up. Yeah, um, exactly. In the meantime, I'm just going to step back a little bit to the Dan Moran story. You have come from a background in in post and color first, right before joining Black Magic. Yes. Uh, so I was uh, working in Ireland, uh, mainly between Avid DS and Autodesk Flame. So I, I did kind of a lot of online editing and compositing. Um, and then some features arrived in, so I started grading those and realized, okay, this is actually what I'm best at. Um, so uh, when Blackmagic gave me the chance to actually 
touch of resolve. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll join straight away. Um, and then, so I've kind of become the colorist support. So my, my job is application specialist in resolve, but my job is to know everything that colorists want to know. So we have engineers that will, you know, build your system. But my job is if you want to say, I really want to, you know, make this look work and then I can tell you how to do it easily. So I kind of sit around color grading all day thinking of the best way to do things. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So when you're doing demos, you're not just following a script, you're using your, I have graded before brain. Yes. Yeah. That's why I love when I get a hard question. Um, because I remember doing like my first red job, I had to stay up all night with the MacBook Pro manually doing it like a, an egg cut. Uh, so I've kind of seen every aspect of post from, you know, uh, like running cables for intercoms to doing like a full on 2k online with clients behind me. So I've lived the, uh, the kind of life that people are living, hopefully. So I can, I can relate to what actually needs to get done. Excellent. Well, that really helps because you're sort of obviously hands-on with helping to develop this stuff as well, really. Yeah. So we've got a great development team in Singapore, um, and they're based in the Black Magic Post House. So um, Charlie Ellis is the uh, lead colorist there, who you might have seen on FXPHD classes mm. before. Um, so when I was over there, um, he was doing some stereo work, and he'd walk into the development office, and he'd say, guys, I'd, I'd really like to see this. And they'd okay, that's a great idea. And then off they go. So they've all, they're always getting colorist support uh, and colorist input. So uh, everything that goes in is asked for by a colorist, which Excellent. is quite cool. Uh, let's talk about the range, I guess, of Resolve, right down to uh, to Light, which is pretty new. Yeah, yeah. So Light is it's just it was announced at NAB, but it's actually getting very close to shipping now. Um, and the main thing with Resolve Light is you have the same tools and processing that you would if you had our top-of-the-range Linux system. Um, so I always say to people at the start of my demos, I'd say, so what you're looking at here is the same machine that Stefan Sonnenfeld just finished Transformers on, or like guys like Ben Eagleton and Matt Turner are doing like, you know, the top-end commercials on. And they, they have the same interface, the same tool set. Um, so you know, you've got the same uh, opportunity they have, but the only limitations we've imposed are standard def and HD output, so if you want to put Epic in, that's no problem. We can only render to HD. Um, and then the biggest catch, I think, is the two color correction nodes, um, where the full version would have unlimited, you know, if you wanted 20 or 30 layers, yeah, uh, there's no problem. Uh, and the other limitations are actually very small. I mean, it's, it's limited to a, a single GPU, like in a single red rocket card. Um, and then also there's no stereo uh, tools, because we figured if you want to go down the stereo road, you might need to expand your GPU so you'd have to go for the full version but everything else is in there so all your curves and uh, like any primaries and secondary tools um, so it's not limited in that sense just resolution wise and how many nodes you can add excellent what's well, an excellent gateway drug oh yeah and it's, it's very easy to upgrade as well <laughs> <laughs> well let's look at hardware then really what we're going to need obviously you mentioned the fact that it's going to now run on things like iMacs Yes. Well, obviously, I guess there'll be limitations to that. Originally, it was uh, just 17-inch MacBook Pros yes, or yeah. Mac, Pro, Mac Pro with the right cards. Yeah. Perhaps just talk us through those both sort of ends, the desktop side of things and then the sort of mobile grading life. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the original system we started with was the Mac Pro. Um, so it was based on NVIDIA CUDA technology. So you'd have to have um, – originally, it was uh, NVIDIA 4800 or uh, 285. Um, and then more recently, it's the 4000 cards. Um, so if anybody's looking for a new system, I'd always recommend keep the ATI card that ships with the Mac. Uh, then I'd add in the NVIDIA Quadro 4000. Um, and this card has no monitors attached. It literally sits in there and it does all the processing. So um, every grade you do is like per pixel metadata change. 
and it's all computed inside the CUDA cores. Um, so that's where you, basically all the real time comes from that single graphics card. To get the speed that um, you'd see, say, in my demo videos, you'd need to have that extra card. Now that we, we support OpenCL, you can actually just take a standard Mac out of the box, load Resolve on, and it'll run. But we find, find that um, OpenCL is more... Um, it's, it's kind of like half the power, pretty much. So if you're trying it out, install Resolve Lite, see how you like it. But then if you want to do serious, uh, heavy corrections, I'd say the NVIDIA card is the best way. Yeah, um, of course, real-time is the absolute goal. That's what we're trying to do. Yes. It's very hard, particularly when you've got the ability to do things like stability and uh, tracking and stuff to try and do, to, to get your head around what it's doing if it's not doing stuff in real-time. Yes, you exactly, can, great. Yeah. But with all of these packages, the goal is, is real-time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so any Mac Pro basically from 2008 up, and you, yep, can put, you put a put this uh, put the Quadro 4000 card in, and you can get exactly what we're seeing with your demos. You can yes, get that real time yep. tracking, no limitations, unlimited nodes, all that That's sort of it. stuff. Yep. So uh, again, like if you want to expand it, uh, the system I use, we have a Cubics expander box, and that lets you put up to three 4000 cards in. Um, and with that, you can get many more nodes. So if you want to start doing stereo work or 2 or 4K work, you need to start adding GPUs. But it's great that you have the option now to start on a MacBook Pro or maybe an iMac. And then when you start getting jobs in, you can move to the Mac Pro platform and, and add in as much as you need. Um, right. Now, I'm going to talk about just the output card then, say, if you're going to a reasonably good SDI or maybe just to a client HDMI monitor, just yes, say, for them yeah. to view. You're going to need, uh, obviously, an output card. Now, Resolve recommends the, the Studio 3D. It's the Extreme Plus 3D Plus, yes. Other. Yeah. So the reason we recommend that card is it does every frame rate and every frame size that Resolve will do. You know, if you want to do full, uncompressed stereo, left eye, right eye, 1080p, you're going to need a card like that. Um, but, you know, if people are trying it out, you can start with your intensity cards or like the Declink STI and then build it up as you need the more uh, the extra features. But uh, I'd always recommend the 3D Plus if you're building a system dedicated for Resolve um, because we, we say, please buy this card because it does everything Resolve does. So otherwise you might find, oh, I'd love to do 25PE in this and it mightn't support that resolution, so... Um, right. Always best to go for that card if possible. So the the other good card now is the Ultra Studio 3D, which is the Thunderbolt um, external card, uh, and that'll give you the exact same features as the HD Extreme 3D Plus. So again, if you want to start doing stereo on set, you can just plug your uh, Ultra Studio in over Thunderbolt, and you get the same results. Let's talk about that one, I guess, because that's going to lead us into the ability to grade. Uh, obviously on the run yes stop me if i get something wrong this is basically a breakout box from thunderbolt if you have a thunderbolt equipped macbook pro that's it uh, to give you uh, sdi outs uh, and in uh, hdmi out and in and um that's pretty much as basically it's an external graphics card but my understanding is that it does not offer any hardware acceleration it's purely just a breakout Exactly, yeah. So it'll, it'll give you all the options of you need to output stereo or uh, SDI uh, or capture it. And you also can get your audio options. So if you need to hook, say, your MacBook Pro up to um, the kind of Genelec speakers, you can do uh, go like AES audio. So it gives you all the options a normal capture card would. Um, but it means you can put it all into a bag. Um, so like I've got a, a prototype unit in-house. So when I went to a demo in London recently, I got onto the train with a 17-inch MacBook Pro, the Ultra Studio 3D, and my Thunderbolt cable, and I plugged it into an SDI monitor, and off I went. You know, you could have your tangent wave as well, so you can put everything, you know, instead of a flight case, it becomes kind of two backpacks. Yeah, or on-set grading. 
Exactly, yeah. Now, so what are the limitations, obviously? I mean, are we going to be able to get somewhat real-time with this? or what? If you're doing, say, like heavy grading on it, it would be standard def. But um, I actually graded a lot of Alexa stuff from set. So we took, um, the, um, we took like, shot a lot of footage at NAB, um, and then I just took it into the Resolve on the Mac, uh, sorry, on the MacBook Pro, uh, did like the lookup tables, transcoded it. You know, it was no problem. I got about maybe two nodes of real-time. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can still render it about 16 to 17 frames a second afterwards. Um, and it is based on an SSD being in there. So we just put like a standard SSD in uh, for the playback speed. If you don't have the grunt, obviously, to run real time out with your particular system, you have obviously the ability then to render much like you would in Final Cut, let's say. Um, I guess it's real time without waiting is the, is the ultimate goal. But then yeah. obviously you can still have real time playback on something like the MacBook Pro, but you will have to do some rendering to be able to then play back that. Every time you make a change, you're going to have to do a little render. Uh, we have a good mode called um, proxy mode. And all you need to do on your keyboard is command P. Uh, and what that does is it dumbs down the, um, the render. So it'll, basically it'll work at, say, half resolution. Uh, and because of that mode, I tend to never really use the, the render caching. So, you know, because I can grade, I'd like to see it in context. I just enable the proxy, uh, you know, do a lot of the grading, and then I turn it back off and uh, maybe do a render cache then to watch it afterwards. But I find I don't really, don't really do much waiting. Right. So you'll get the look, the color look will still be correct. And exactly, you'll get the yeah. speed that you want to be able to really get an idea of what's going on. But yeah. you won't, won't just get that full res. But then if you want the full res, then you just hit render again. Okay. Exactly, yeah. So now you mentioned iMac. Yes. So the um, as far as I know, the, the only qualified ones so far are the 2011 21.5-inch uh, or the 27-inch IMAX. Uh, like I always say to people, the other ones may work, but these are the ones that we know that you'll get great performance out of, um, you know, kind of the real-time aspects. Uh, so especially with light, I'd always try that first, see how you, uh, you find the performance, and then if you're happy with that, get the full right. version. So you are going to get some real-time unrendering with an IMAX? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the new iMacs are quite good, actually. We found you get about um, between two and four nodes, depending on what um, kind of resolution you're working at. Uh, so I find I normally work at 1080p, and I think it's about two or three nodes at that. Okay, so then the difference to jumping to the Mac Pro then in terms of nodes of yes. real-time playing back before you need to start rendering. Uh, so let's say like the with the 4000 cards, I normally say you get about 8 to 11, depending on if you're using some blurs or is it just set like secondaries. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably about uh, 11 is a good average. Um, and then if you add the extra graphics cards, you can get it up to say 18 nodes. Uh, that's the, the kind of most I've ever used. Um, and in reality, I normally just use about 6 or 7 on a, an everyday basis, unless there's some major like reworking or relighting that has to be done. Um, and that's not that often at the moment. Pretty much if there's a black magic event uh, around the world, you're usually uh, there somewhere to be oh, found. I'm, so I'm people everywhere, can... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people can hit you up, and also they can uh, find you on Twitter and a few other places, yep. I guess. Exactly, yeah. So uh, any support questions, the best place is davincihelp at blackmagic-design.com, or you'll just find me on any forum or on Twitter. So Dan Moran, color, so it's C-O-L-O-R. Uh, so anybody wants to find me there, I'm always poking around somewhere. I'm I'm everywhere. I like talking nerdy day and night, so this is this has been great fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for talking. Cool. Thank you very much. You are entering the red room.
Well, thanks for that, Jace. That was that was a really good interview. And um, as I said, we've got Da Vinci training coming on at FX PhD uh, in about a week. Check it out. It'll be fully able to be downloaded. So in addition to all the training we have in the courses, this term in FX PhD, um, this is a special thing we're trying to do. Um, yeah, sort of a unique download thing because of, mm. of Resolve 8 coming out. Yeah. Um, can I just switch gears now and suggest we go to gear because there actually is some interesting gear stuff and uh, let's just check out gear. And now, the RC Gear Guide. Okay, well, thanks to our... Uh, well, this is... Uh, actually, I've got another little piece from these guys, but uh, the light, the, the guys bearing away at Lightcraft Workshop have um, cranked out a new um, little device. I guess this follows on from that other unit, which I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, but this is another uh, USB controller for DSLR for a uh, focus controller. So a very small USB-based... A uh, little hand controller for um, for ideally mainly for Canon cameras. Uh, so it's not just 5D Mark II. It'll do 1D, uh, 7D, 60D, um, 600D, 550D, etc. All of those, um, as long as they use that that same protocol. So basically, the idea of it really is that it's basically go. It starts to uh, you know hack into the DNA, I guess, of the camera and give you the ability to control a lot of the stuff that is you know is multiple buttons all over your camera. And to this, to for that reason, these little controllers do have a bit of a, a mess of a million buttons all over them. Um, but I guess once your muscle memory kicks in and uh, you have the ability to sort of remember and I guess customize what these things do. Um, but l- obviously, there's a little focus knob to be able to um, control the focus one on one. You start obviously this. There's no external motors required. It uses the motors within the lens itself, uh, regardless of the brand of lens you've got. Obviously, it's using the, the you know the camera body to control it, just as it would the lens itself without this controller. Uh, but what's interesting is that you can. Um, you know, in one hand, you can catch all that sort of stuff that you would normally do by reaching around the back of the camera, off to the side of the camera, you know, enable recording mode, which obviously on the 5D is right in the middle, and then you can obviously switch to the live view magnification, which is up the top right. And again, all this stuff where you have to take your hands off the your grips or off, you know, how you're naturally holding the camera and being able to, you know, touch your camera all over in five different million places just to, to do all the stuff you would do just before you go to roll. So, you know, with, with customizing with these buttons, you can do, uh, you know, live view. Uh, you can obviously enable the audio focusing, which is better on some cameras than others. Uh, you can even actually set a focus point or like a focus end point, like, Mike, your favorite little trick of the tape stop. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually have it so that it will not go any... F- you can do the manual focus yourself, but it won't go past a certain point. Um, and yeah, so what it's interesting, though, is it has a little add-on bit, I guess. So there's four or five little buttons that you don't have to have uh, on the controller you can basically have the little controller with um like five buttons but if you want to add on the extra stuff of the fo- of the uh, focus control uh, you can add on this little block module so you can make it as simpler simple or as com- complicated as your muscle memory will let you uh do but that's available for ordering now at lightcraft workshop uh it's called the helmsman and it's 460 us uh, it's quite a nice little neat unit. I've got a demo on my on its way to have a play with. It's fantastic. There's actually another thing which I haven't mentioned before, which I think is quite. I'll just quickly mention it. They do a, uh, I guess, a four by four filter version of the very ND that you know oh, that really? we use all the time. So obviously, it's it's quite simple. It's it's a 
uh, one of them is a linear polar and the other one is a circular polar. But basically they sell it as a 4x4 kit. Uh, so you can have one in the front of your 4x4 map box and then the other one in like the rotating stage at the back and basically you have a wider, larger um, variable ND for, you know, if you've got larger setups or your little sort of uh, lightweight map box. So again, that's at lightcraftworkshop.com. Um, uh, yeah, so good guys. Uh, and they never stop bringing out interesting little things like that. Okay, the other thing is kind of weird, and it's, you know, a bit sort of low-end, really, but it's more, um, I guess, sort of suited to the DSLR shooter. But Manfrotto brought out this really kind of funky head. Have you seen this, Mike, the photo movie yeah. head thing? Yeah. It's unusual, but you, if you, there's a little Vim. What's worth a look is there's a, again, in the show notes, a little link to a Vimeo, or I guess if you go on Vimeo and you search for Manfrotto, 055 uh, photo movie head thing, you'll get, um, you'll get the link. And it's kind of it's it's almost like a sort of a gimbal stills head, but then you can sort of swap the swap the mode over, and then it becomes basically a fluid head. So you can use it for both. You don't have to have the pan handle on there. So if you imagine one of those sort of basically a ball head that then swaps over and becomes a, um, uh, you know, a, a fluid video head. So it's kind of interesting. If it's it's quite lightweight, it's not a it's not a huge, massive, really expensive head. It's about three hundred fifty bucks. But uh, it's definitely worth worth a look. It's kind of an odd thing, and until you sort of see the video and work out, oh, and work it and see what it see what it's doing in in uh, in, in in person, it's a little bit hard to sort of understand what the hell this kind of odd little thing will do. But it's worth a look anyway. For again, lightweight, but uh, for some, for a lot of people, that might be quite a good little solution. Can I ask uh, you a question? Do you yes. use the Lightcraft uh, variable ND? What's that? Do you use the? Yes, I do. I have uh, um, a couple of. I have the Lightcraft version two, but I also have the Genus. Uh, Genus have a variable ND, so I've got both of those. And I sort of, in an ideal world, I'd love to have like five or six of them. So I've got one on every lens, but uh, I sort of keep keep them both and have them both on different lenses. I've I've, I've, I've intercut them between. The I moved over to Singray variable ND on this last trip. Yeah. I was just curious what you're using because I I had previously been Lightcraft mm. and yeah I've got both never tried the Singray I um, like I like the Singray I, in fact if you're not using yours I'll buy it off you because I really I don't know why I just well I do actually I think it just makes me happier interesting why is, is it visually a difference yeah I actually think there is actually okay now maybe I don't know maybe mine is not a Lightcraft too it's like the the original ones had the problem with the focus right. Defocusing is that mean that everything after that was Lightcraft two or uh, the the Lightcraft very ND? Uh, I have to sort of get it in my head, but I think it's yeah the version two is this sort of slightly sharper uh, next generation sort of technology, I guess. And then the um, there's also the new Genus one, which is a little bit more. I have to look at the Genus one, but I've got to tell you the Singray one just makes me happy interesting okay really i might have to i'm going to borrow yours and test it then because i really i I shot in queensland with it and i was super happy with the result i mean i was producing some of the nicest stuff i'd done with variable nds ever in that queensland shoot and i was really stopping it down i mean i was full sun yeah practically couldn't see what i was doing the other thing i've got from lightcraft which i use occasionally particularly when you've got that really hot sun and you're really pushing it right the end of the exposure because obviously you can go to black with with a very nd but you know you get to the point where you get you know uh, really get the two filters start interacting and you get horrible sort of vignetting ugly vignette i quite like the vignetting these things do but often they'll get 
quite too strong and you know you're pushing past the maximum of those filters. So the other thing I've got is I think they have a, a Lycraft have an Ultra, which I think is, is heavier. and uh, I think it goes up in another sort of two or three stops heavier. So if you are, you know, pushing it for, a, if I'm finding I'm in strong sun and I'm really sort of right on the edge of exposure and I'm starting to get, see these weird, horrible artifacts of the very ND, um, I'll go to the Ultra one, which I think is, you know, they just, they sell it and they market it as something that's good for uh, stop motion or for, um, for time lapse or for long exposures. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, but you know, obviously, it's really it's quite useful just for I, normal video if you're working look, for the last in year hot, or two. Hot, hot, hot I've light. been on like maybe two years. I've been on Lightcraft, and I've just moved over to Singray because I had one yeah. lying around, and I did your thing as I wanted to not keep swapping it from lenses. Yeah. So I stuck it on my on my L series eighty five, um, yeah. and I just went, oh, my God, I really am noticing a sort of difference. Not not a mega difference, but I expected to notice no difference. So mm. I was kind of surprised. Mm. And then I just found myself reaching for it. And, you know, they're both there. And my hand would go to the left and I'd get it. And so now I'm pretty much that's all I'm using. So okay. anyway, I'm interested in what people's opinions are. Right. If they have them. Mm, okay. You do side by sides, I think. Um, a well, very, we side very by small... Sides and, hmm? I've done that side by side comparison. Have. but. I'm talking about a level of subtlety that you get from shooting with something for weeks that you kind of start to like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I've done, for for a fair while, done swapsies from, you know, maybe I've had, uh, normally if I'm shooting stuff, well, I'll have a, you know, a 35 and a 50, I'll have you know, one on one one brand on, on the wide and one brand on the tight, which is probably bad because there's definitely color if you, issues, but I've not found it to be a problem. So I'm sort of, you know, um, I'll need to introduce the third one into the mix. Hey, um, I've bought this new small HD monitor, and I think you're about to tell me the that DB6. there's a new one. Well, we obviously, we saw this at NAB. Uh, we had the prototype there up on stage at uh, on um, at the post pit. But uh, this is just the smaller one. Right? This is the smaller one, which you probably uh, people, so people who were there thing. would have no, no, you haven't bought the wrong thing because uh, the difference between that one and this one is the DP4 is uh, HDMI only. It doesn't have SDI at this at this stage. There's no SDI option. But what I like about it, um, and obviously and I've used inches. other EVFs, is is and they're both you know horses for courses. They're both really good. This is um, is. If obviously it has an EVF, it's not a standalone EVF. It's a four-inch monitor that has a loop uh, hood that will fit on the top of that, and then you can basically snap that off or pull it off and use it just as a four-inch monitor. Now the four-inch is really interesting. I've got you know a demo coming, Mike, so I'll, I'll show you know, once we get it in 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 our hands. You'll see the four-inch is really a quite. If you're using a monitor right on top of an on top of your DSLR, it's really a really nice small compact size which gives you complete you know you have, you don't feel like you're missing out on anything it's twice the size screen size basically of the lcd on the back of your uh, oh, dslr okay. so it's really quite it's almost the ideal size for uh like just on top of your dslr the 5.6 is really I'm, nice and it's a great size and it'll be great for on red and epic and stuff as well because it's got the sdi but this is a really nice, small, compact thing. Anyway, we've mentioned this before. I'm not going to go on for too long, but basically I'm saying now it is actually shipping. I'm just so, going to say this, that yes. as great as it is, HDMI sucks. 
Yes, we know. Okay. We know. Just thought I'd say that. Okay. That HGSDI leads, is where I am. That leads into my next story, which isn't actually a story. It wasn't going to be a story until you just said that. And but it I does thought, suck. Sod it. So basically, uh, I kind of, as I was talking about the last EVF I reviewed, I was sort of being a little bit negative into the fact that I thought it might have been slightly picky as to what kind of HDMI cable oh, yeah, yeah. it used. And I think actually basically what I found out later is that my HDMI port on my 5D uh, was on the way out and has since died. Can you get that repaired? Uh, you can. And it, uh, I know the price is varied, but Twitter did warn me this was going to be an expensive uh, effort and basically it was going to cost... $1,250 to replace. On, on your, on yeah, your existing 800, About 850 This is Australian prices from a, a repairer. About 800 plus bucks for the part because it's like attached to the main circuit board of the whole camera. So you've got to rip okay. a whole bunch of stuff out of this. Uh, and oh about four. It's obviously, it's complicated as well because it's about 400 bucks in labor. So it ended up being about twelve or $1,300. Uh, basically, the solution was uh, flick it to someone who didn't need HDMI and buy a new body. So basically, be very careful of your... Have, have um, you sold your old 5D? Yep. Oh, well, I would have bought it from you. <laughs> we had no HDMI on it. Well, I, I wouldn't want it for me personally. Okay. All right. Can, can I just say, any time you're I selling know you any gear ever, I know. just run it by me first. Yeah, okay. So anyway, have somebody that's, in, in, that's, um, that's lesson learned, guys and girls. Um, be very careful of your HDMI port, and there's not much else you can do about it apart from having a massive. So you've got a new, uh, you've got a new 5D. Uh, I will have one. I'll need one for the next job. Yeah. So uh, basically, end up being about the same prices to basically to sell it and, and buy a new one. And the turnaround, the sort of changeover price is about the same as having an old one repaired. So yeah, nuts. There you go. So be very careful with them. You know they are. Uh, it's an expensive, it's an expensive venture. It, it is so. It's just nuts, and it's just pisses me need, off beyond we need belief. Not to be recording video in eight bits, not nineteen twenty <laughs> by ten eighty cropped, and not using HDMI on a Canon. Yeah, well, you know, and HDMI is, you know, it's not going away. Look at the, you know the Sony FS one hundred. It's you know they they are making a whole thing about the fact that you can record. Um, you know, HD, HDMI has become a legitimate recording port for that you know they have that whole protocol oh, and with the time code and everything so it, you know it's a legitimate how many times have you unplugged and plugged in hdmi and oh, things come and go man and it just drops out and you just bump it and it just drops out again and then you gotta wait and then everything has to recognize itself again and then you go hold on one moment please the amount of ground and sky and stuff i've shot while i've been waiting for you know the thing that, that once you set and you've checked your focus and your roll and then it drops out and it's just anyway we've done this before okay I'm sorry people. hey um we're running out of time but we just yeah. want to do a quick couple of things you wanted to flag a website which i think was uh black and blue yeah i just part for the tw- twitter and blog shout out maybe you can have a think about twitter shout out my blog shout out for this uh app is um a it's called the black and blue which is uh, a really nice uh, and qu- quite often updated uh blog for filmmakers and mainly for camera assistants actually so it's got a bit of a soft spot for me it's uh it's audiences you know and obviously everybody but it's uh a lot of on-set um you know thoughts from thoughts from the apple box i guess um 
mainly for camera assistants and common mistakes you make and stories from set and uh, yeah you, cinematography apps and uh, you know dealing with actors and, and stuff so it's really uh, it's a good little good little good little uh, blog that is theblackandblue.com um, yeah so. and for a Twitter shout out I'd like to basically highlight my friends at Allura so it's at Allura underscore VFX so it's at I-L-O-U-R-A underscore VFX now Allura is a um, is basically a film effects company in Melbourne done great work um, tons of uh, good films including the TV show Pacific which I think they're up for an Emmy nomination on um, they're just great guys really good and they don't Twitter a huge amount they Twitter a bit but when it is it's normally good links to stuff that they've been doing or stuff that's going on so um, if you're in the more effectsy post side of things um, it's one of the less obviously not as well known as some of the big big visual effects houses but they're great guys in there and uh, happy to give them some love excellent well there you go thanks to everybody for uh, listening and uh, listening to the very end of this and thanks to Dan Moran um, again for um, uh, for taking time for the interview to this this ep and yeah thanks guys and we'll catch you next time Cheers. see ya thanks for listening send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com copyright 2011 fx guide llc